Hi everyone, this is Peter again with another episode of the Virtual Podcast. Here with me today is Ricardo Laganaro. Welcome and thanks for joining us, Ricardo. Thank you very much. <laughs> so maybe some of our listeners listeners hadn't heard about you before, but that probably changed early September of this year when you won the best VR immersive experience for interactive content at the Venice Film Festival. Congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> but first of all, I, I, I would like to know who is Ricardo Laganaro? Well, um, well, first of all, thanks for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Ricardo Laganaro, I am from Brazil, a film director. I began working with films in 2001, uh, mainly with stop motion animation and 2D animation, and was just in the middle of the digital revolution between like the analog process in the filmmaking and the digital ones. And I was kind of the guy who could, who could translate things from the digital world to the analog people. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then I began to direct my own films for fl flat screens yet. And then 2009, I enter in a company that it's the biggest production company in Brazil who did the film like Didi City of God. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, yeah. yes, I became a VFX supervisor there okay. and director. And then in 2012, there was an opportunity to direct a film for a huge dome that was going to be inside the Museum of Tomorrow. It was the biggest venue constructed by the Olympics in Rio, 2016, that was going to be constructed for the Olympics. And it was a full dome, 360 uh, experience that would tell the story of the universe from the Big Bang until today in eight minutes. And there in 2014, I used VR during this process as a previous tool to understand how the film would look in okay. the dome. Okay. You know, but it was just like I used the DK1 and then after that the <laughs> DK2. Okay. And then in 2015, I went to South by Southwest and everybody was talking about VR as the future of storytelling. And I was working with that as a tool for one year, one year and a half. So, so maybe this can be a new thing. And that, that's how I entered this industry. Okay, nice. Great story. And are you focusing these days on immersive experiences or are you, or are you still working in traditional film as well? Oh, professionally, I like almost 100% in immersive content. I also have some projects for flat screens, but now I'm partnering in this company in Brazil called Arvori. And like I'm dedicating all my time and all my energy to make immersive content and try to help this industry begin in Brazil as well. Okay, nice. And is there is there actually like a viable industry in Brazil or already? Almost. Yeah. We have a lot of people interested in it and we have also an association called XRBR and then we have more than 100 companies already registered. Ooh, the thing is that almost no one can just do that. So a lot of people have like a small department or just try to do VR as an innovation thing inside the company. Just a few people are actually making money and, and working with VR full time. Mm -hmm. the, and one of the biggest problems is because we don't have headsets in Brazil. No? Oculus doesn't sell, sell headsets in Brazil. Oh, really? HTC doesn't sell headsets in Brazil. Why? Uh, I think a little bit of Brazilian bureaucracy and importation taxes. And, and also because probably it's not a priority yet. So we also, because of it, we had to open a chain of location-based entertainment centers in Brazil to help create the culture of audience there in the right way. So we have already four stores opened. Mm -hmm. Because if, if it wasn't with initiatives like that and some others that we see, people would still be trying VR in like cardboard 
or some like roller coasters yeah. in the middle of the shopping mall. That's definitely not the way to go. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and besides the headsets, what's also missing in Brazil for to get more people in VR? Uh, understanding about it, like the media, uh, like people from the government now are beginning to understand that this is a potential new medium that we can enter and Brazil can be part of this revolution. Uh, People from other areas are still learning in, to understand why using VR and not just thinking it's a novelty or a fashion that will pass like the 3D glasses for mm -hmm. TV, you know. Yeah. You still have a lot of people that are skeptical with that, but are, are getting better now because of some of, of the things that are happen, happening, like, for example, our, our prize in Venice. Yeah, of course, that will help. And will inspire young talent as well, probably. Yes, and also show that it's for real, you know, like because people know a festival like Venice, they know yeah. that it's like the oldest festival in the world. Yeah, very That's incredible. If, if they are looking seriously to VR, maybe the people that were not doing that stop and think, oh, maybe we have to, to look more about it. You know? yeah, yeah. So talking about Venice, the line was also nominated for the grand jury for best immersive work in Venice, yeah. but eventually you scooped the award for best VR experience for interactive. How did you came up with the story? Uh, we were working already one year and a half in a company, testing a lot of different uh, aspects and understanding how to tell stories in VR. And then December last year, we decided that was the time to make my new story in VR and I came from filmmaking, so I have more narrative background, but we also, in Arvori, we always want to have some interactive aspects to make people feel present in that world that we're inviting them to, to enter. So I, I, I have a passion for Sao Paulo, Brazil, my city, and we wanted to have a story, a real good story that people, everyone could interact. And we wanted to use like no teleportation system because we think that for people that are not used to VR or video games, maybe can be a little bit scared of like having the controller as a joystick. Mm -hmm. And thinking about a room scale setup, if you have to walk just like two by two meters or three by three meters, uh, it's hard to have a beautiful story, like a longer and more sophisticated story in a small setup like that without teleportation. And then the, came this idea that if you use a scale model, it would be nicer because if people gave just a few steps, they could have the feeling that they were following someone like through entire city. And then we began to think about this love story about a guy and a girl that live far from each other and they are, they are trapped on the track because they live in a scale model and talking about routine and the fear of change to, to conquer the things that you want. And then we made this setup of making a scale model in Sao Paulo in the 40s and, and trying to talk about a deeper uh, theme that is like a routine and be afraid of the routine through this love story. Okay. Interesting. So, uh, and it seems to be like a recipe for success to work with A-list talent for in VR production. So we had like Baobab, uh, the crowd, the legend. They work with John Legend and Oprah Winfrey. Uh, yeah. Gloomy Eyes are winning uh, from Atlas Five are winning award after award. Um, uh, work with Colin Farrell to do the narration. You choose or to work with Rodrigo San Santoro. As a narrator for your story, we yeah. probably oh, people probably know him from Westworld, 300, uh, etc. Maybe some other work from him. Was it an obvious choice? Yeah, we of course. I think this is is a recipe for success, success in VR, like like the star system in the movie make movie industry, like in the twenties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I I think. It was something that we are a local company from Brazil, but everything we do is global. 
and we want to to use VR in a way to put Brazil in the scene in a way that we think it's more um, credible or, or, or more legit, legit, like not just showing like the jungle or soccer, you know, or <laughs> like uh, <laughs> weird things. And, and Rodrigo Santoro is an actor, a Brazilian actor that is really serious and is in the USA making success do, as, as a good actor, you know, and we said, this can be like a perfect fit because he's doing for Brazil in acting the same what we want to do with, for Brazil in immersive he, content. Yeah. And then we talked to him and he loved the project like instantaneously. And, and then it was a perfect match. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how did, it, how did it work with him? Was he also, was he just like the narrator or did he also had some, some impact on the story or on the, the way how you, no, he tell was, the story. He or? was the narrator only, but he's a really good actor. So I showed him like the. It was like ninety percent ready of the piece, and 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 we had a little really long discussion who this narrator was. So he helped to to give personality to mm -hmm. this character. Okay. And and then it was really really good to to record with him, and I think he added a lot of value to to the experience uh, besides him being a famous name. Okay, okay, so. Um, a lot of uh, content creators have, uh, have found it difficult to raise money for their project to seal their funding. Could you tell us a little bit more about um, how you uh, close your or seal the deal? Um, any advice for starting creators? Um, we, we have like a particular um, characteristic in our company because we are VC funded. Okay. And in Brazil, this scene of VC funding is beginning. And we, we gather like almost everyone that were doing VR in Brazil with some like highlights globally. So I had done before like a documentary that was part of the program VR for Good by Oculus. This documentary was called Step to the Line and it was already in Tribeca. So we, we had some track record. One of my business partners, she, she has a game called Pixel Ripped 1989 that already had some press before. So we, we, we say as a joke that we, we joined all the Brazilian Jedis of VR, you know, <laughs> as a team. Yeah. And then it was... Not easy, but not that difficult to find some investors to invest in our company. And we said to them, in the first year, first two years, we'll have to create really good content that will put our name in the highlights. So we need money for that. And they believed in us. And we had a good plan. We showed that we were able to do it for, from our track record. And that's what, that was happening. So we had money to finish her game and launch it in PlayStation, in Oculus, in, in Steam. And it's selling well there. And, and for my piece, we said, we want to make a piece that will be in a big festival. And we know that we have the potential to be or in Venice or in Sundance or in South by South or in Tribeca. And it was way better than we could expect yeah. because we, yeah. we were in Venice and we won the festival. So for this moment of the company, we said, we, this is what we want <clears throat> to show that to the world, like to the XR global industry, that Arvori is a potential leader. And, and that's how we, we got the money. Now it's going to have a second moment that we proved our point and now we have to begin to think about more in monetization and, mm -hmm. and, and how we can make money with our products. And how can you make money with this product? With this project, we're still learning. Okay. So one, one thing that is happening that we like a lot and it's a good, uh, we, we also couldn't expect, like we have a lot of people from different countries interested in the project. So we are 
trying to make some deals for localization and, and localization the mm. content like in different languages. So, for example, in Asia, people are super connected with the story, uh, mm -hmm. like surprisingly. So we are talking of, with really good partners there to make the Korean version, the Japanese version, the Chinese version, and then sell there to location-based places. And, and it's still like baby steps, like everybody's learning how yeah, to make money. But we, we, we understood that making a global content with a local flavor, but with a universal theme, is something that can be really powerful and people inter get interested about it. And then you can make like small sales locally, but in many, many different places. And if you just have to change the narration, it's not that hard mm -hmm. and can be like a good way to begin to make money with narrative content, we think. Okay, smart. So winning at Venice, probably one of the most or maybe the most important festival for immersive content. Yeah. Um, did it open any doors for you or Arvore? Yeah, I think first, first, uh, these things, like a lot of people that didn't know us and, and our potential began to look at us and want the content for like their, their countries. And also now, uh, for the next projects, we have people already talking to us to maybe like co-produce or co-found. So we think that because of it, we don't need to pay for our projects ourselves, everything, you know, we can have potential co-founders and this is great and are there any funds in brazil mm, the, the brazilian government now it's a different government that don't like a lot culture and don't like <laughs> doesn't support that a lot but like in the states or in the cities we have people that are interested and want to support so it's kind of mixed but people are still trying to understand why do that and we have to do a, a lot of work on, on educate Yeah. them that showing that this is a new opportunity for a country like Brazil to be in the top of a new industry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually, we're still in early days that it's still possible to be like one of the yes. leading countries. Yeah, and that's my speech for like four years in Brazil <laughs> already. Okay. And now we kind of prove it with Venice yeah. that it's possible and people can begin to believe because we say that in Brazil we have this underdog syndrome that we never think that Brazil can be top in except, something except for football then <laughs> yeah but this is like the exception that proves the rule you know yeah, like true. and then and but then people are believing more and we are thinking that we will have more more support for for some part of the government uh, from now on yeah okay so yeah according to you what is still missing uh, or what do we need to get more people in VR in VR headsets and to get it to the mainstream? Is it the hardware? Is it the content? I think a lot of things, yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. So first of all, I think we have to create good content that it's for everyone because sometimes I have the feeling that we create a lot of content that is just for our bubble, people in festivals and people in conference. Yeah. And I think we I are... Yeah, and I think we are generous with content because we work with that and we know how hard is it. But if you think the mainstream public that are paying for content, they are not. They compare with things that they see in the flat screen or in the movie theater. And if it's not that good, they don't care if it's hard to create content in VR. So I think we have to be uh, not serious, but everybody's serious. But I think we have to be more critical with ourselves when we're doing content for the mainstream. Mm -hmm. uh, because... Um, yeah, people compare and it's, it can be dangerous because when someone has a first experience in VR that is not that good, they may think that that's the problem with the medium, not with the content. And then it's bad for us. Yeah. And also, of course, the hardware is still like 
early stages and a lot of friction and it's still not that it's, it's still bulky it's still not that comfortable so i think the next generations will help a lot uh make things easier for for watching vr and also distribution it's, it's still struggling right the, the throughput is hard it's still even for festivals really hard to show vr yeah that's but, true but compared to like four years ago it's way better yeah, yeah. It's, it's developing fast. Yeah, like five years ago, four or five years ago, we were still struggling with the DK2. Yes. And if you see the Quest today, no, for no, example. It's amazing. I, it's I, a huge evolution, I, a revolution I, actually. And it's fast. I think people think that it's not going that fast and I disagree. I think it's going really fast actually. Yeah, I think the, the industry grew exponentially. Yes. Like every <laughs> industry these days. Yes. So yeah, uh, maybe one last question um, to round this up. What can we expect from you or Arvori in 2020? So, so the next few months uh, we we will be launching our second episode of our game pixel ripped so the first one was in 1989 this one will be 1995 <laughs> so it's a game for hardcore gamers and about the feeling of playing video game at that times and in 1995 we had like the 16 bits games the 2d the the like the 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 climax of the the 2d gaming and then we have like playstation comes with the 3d game so it's like a fight between the 2d characters between the 3d characters <laughs> okay. and it's quite funny and i am like developing some new narrative projects like like the line not like the same theme or or something like that but interactive narratives that can be interesting for the audience and help to, sh to shape and show this old, new audience that vr can be for them not only for gamers or tech people. Okay. And and probably we'll do a narrative interactive piece multiplayer. I think this is the next thing we want to investigate because this I think we could help a lot if we can create a good story in 15 minutes that we could put more than one people. It would be better for LBEs, for festivals and things like that. So I think this is something that we are trying to investigate and, and see if we can do it. Okay. Do you think that LBEs can also... Um for example, could um, combine the, the gaming part and the uh, cinematic part and at the same location? <laughs> we Using we, the same hardware and setup, for example? I think so. Like at Voyager, we, we have some stores in Brazil. We kind of do that and it's good, for example, when you see parents going with their kids and then we, we like to like tease the parents, oh, you like VR? No, I don't. Really? Let me show you something here that maybe is for you and it's not like, you don't like games. No, I don't. So let me show a, a beautiful conto like we used to show Cirque du Soleil from Felix and Paul, for example. Yeah. Do you like Cirque du Soleil? Yes, I like. So try this one. And, and they, they love it and yeah. say, oh, this can be for me as well. And so we think, yes, there is a, a space if you present in the right way to show not only gaming content in LBs. Yeah, exactly my point because if... Like you said, if parents go with the children, children are playing and they are sitting there maybe reading a magazine or something or reading yes. a book, they can easily consume VR content as well, but maybe not gaming content, but different content. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So thank you very much for your time, Ricardo. It was lovely chatting with you and we wish you all the best in your future career. Thank you very much, Peter. And I think it's really important to have people doing the work like you do. Thanks. To help this, this ecosystem uh, grow in all directions. So thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.